Hey there, friends. My name is Kyle Devlin, and this is Having a Blast. Having a Blast is a pop punk, punk rock, and emo podcast where we're going to be discussing all things punk rock ethos and personal development and the parallels within. We'll also be doing some deep dives on important albums and bands. I'm going to be talking to band members, producers, and a bunch of my friends. And I want to know what makes these people tick. How has being self-motivated moved them in the direction of their goals? We're going to have a lot of fun finding out. So without further ado, let's get into it. Hey there, friends. Welcome to the show. This is Having a Blast. I'm your host, Kyle Devlin. On today's episode, I am extremely excited to be speaking with Mr. Bill McShane, lead singer of the pop rock and roll band Ultimate Fake Book. Ultimate Fake Book is a band from Manhattan, Kansas, but I always thought of them as one of my favorite local bands. We talk all about the band Ultimate Fake Book. We discuss their new album, which is wonderful, by the way, The Preserving Machine and the inspiration behind the new record. We talk all about the creative process that led to them releasing a new record after 16 years and they are playing a show on Friday night as well as Saturday. Friday night they're playing at the Record Bar in Kansas City, Missouri and Midfest in Manhattan, Kansas on Saturday night. It's going to be a blast. Bill is also a video editor, a trailer editor more specifically and we talk a little bit about that as well. This was such a fun conversation. Bill is someone I've wanted to talk to since the inception of this podcast and I just want to thank him for taking Taking the time. So without further ado, please enjoy this multifaceted conversation with Mr. Bill McShane. Good, man. How are you? Can you hear me okay? I'm, yep, I hear you loud and clear. Radical. Awesome, man. How, how about my audio? You got me? Sounds great. Sounds perfect. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I'm on my I'm on my phone here, so. Oh, okay. Cool. Awesome. That's one of the nice things about technology, right? We can just use. <laughs> Convenient. Exactly. Exactly. You, yeah. Okay. So I was going to ask you, when did you get in? You said you flew in today or this week. No, I, I uh, uh, flew into Colorado last week and met um, my wife and kids and all of my wife's family um, in, in Colorado. We do a um, vacation thing there. And then we drove back to Kansas. And so the, for the last week after that, I've been seeing my family out here in Kansas. So we saw like, you know, my mom and then we for a couple of days and we saw my dad yesterday in Wichita. So I've, I've been for the last two weeks or a week and a half or so, um, driving all around and just vacation mode. Yeah. Cool. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Nice opportunity to see both sides of the family. What part of Colorado? Yeah. We were in like the Colorado Springs area, um, like Manitou Springs. Very cool. So, awesome. Yeah. I've got yeah. a good friend that lives in Denver. So we spend quite a bit of time out there. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool place. Cool. I actually like going during the summer months. I know that's sacrilege because there's so many people that love skiing and things, but I like Colorado in the summer months. Yeah. Yeah. It was nice. Cause it still like rains, you know, like almost every day and for a little bit and it cools off. So. Yeah. Yeah. A little different yeah. than here. It's just been 
like dreadful outside. I think it's going to be a hundred degrees for the next four days in a row or something ridiculous like that. But yeah. yeah totally. where, where are you, where are you at? So I'm actually in Lawrence, Kansas at the moment. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So familiar yep, that's, territory. That's, for where you. We're, that's where we're, Oh yeah. That's where we're practicing tomorrow. All day practice. Brad, that's awesome. Very cool. <laughs> so Eric is back in town as well. Didn't he move to the West Coast or? Yeah, he lives in um, Sacramento. Okay. Yeah, Sacramento area. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Very cool. Awesome. Okay, cool. Another great area. But I live in Lawrence. I've lived here for a few years now. I'm actually from Kansas City. And I used to, my fiance and I, we would walk around Mass usually on the weekends. And I would see Eric occasionally just walking on Mass as well. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, very cool. Well, cool. So I want to talk all things Ultimate Fake Book. The very first time... I saw you guys, just to give you a little context, I've been in local bands and things, and I've been a fan of Ultimate Fake Book for, geez, over 20 years now, probably 23, 24 years now. And the very awesome. first time I saw you guys play was also, coincidentally, the first show that I ever saw at El Torreon Ballroom in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. And it was a headlining gig for you guys, and the openers were The Creature Comforts and Podstar. Okay. And this was 2000, I believe, the year 2000. Yeah, and was the that, last time, was that wasn't wasn't there uh, didn't uh, this is the original El Torian, right? Because didn't they move yeah. at one point? Okay, well they you're stuck in the original place, right? Yeah, so this was when they first opened, I believed, and they were using the bigger room, and it was the side entrance where you'd walk in, then turn to your right, and there was a big open square room, and that's where you guys were playing. They eventually moved. Okay stuff around where they had that smaller room in the corner and they moved to the front entrance to the other side. Okay. That was where they were having shows for a long time. And then periodically they would open up that big room. I remember dropkick Murphy's came one year, less than Jake came one year and they had it in the big room, but most of the shows Mm -hmm. were in the smaller to medium sized room. And that's what they moved to afterwards. But Mm -hmm. you guys played in the bigger room and it was of course packed and I thought it was funny because I was trying to think of the last time I saw you guys play because I've seen you countless times since then. And the last time <laughs> I saw you guys play was at Thundergong. Oh, yeah. That was so much fun. Yeah. That yeah. Was awesome. It's kind of cool it's, how it comes full circle with Billy Brimblecom in the mix there, too. With the Yeah, Converts. absolutely. And yep, absolutely. And, and even Jason Sudeikis, he, before he, you know, really, really blew up and stuff, we'd come to our shows all the time. And um, we all kind of, you know, we're all in, into a lot of the same type of bands, him included and stuff. So that was really cool for all of us to like get together. Yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. I've actually heard him mention ultimate fake book and some interviews and stuff. And I think he's mentioned frog pond too. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. He's, he's so, he's very supportive and such a cool guy. Cool. That's really cool. Yeah. And I actually, I had Jim septic on the show, the podcast probably about five months ago and uh-huh. he mentioned that they were going to do Thunder going in person again this year. So I'm excited to go. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think they just announced it a few weeks ago, actually. So yeah, that'll be fun. And then awesome. the, the two shows coming up are celebrating the newest album, The Preserving Machine, which is a great record, by the way. And I would imagine COVID, oh, <laughs> I would imagine COVID derailed those a little bit. Yeah. Biz- yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's got to be fun. I was going to ask you about this. Tell me what it feels like to be promoting a new record and not just doing a Kansas City show or a Lawrence show. Because I've heard Eric talk about how he's the king of doing reunion shows. Right. Well, okay. Here's the thing. And I'm going to say stuff that probably you don't hear 
other people say. Okay. Cause that's awesome. kind of the things that's what I think is interesting. You know, it's like, so here's the thing I'm, and by the way, can I cuss? Of course. Yes. <laughs> okay. Free okay. Rain. All right. I'm <laughs> fucking 40. I'm fucking 48 years old. Okay. You know what I mean? It's like, you said you saw us 20 some years ago, I, you know, our band was something that we did, you know, in our early twenties and it was all in, that's all we did. we never thought we would ever not do music. Okay. Well then we, you know, stopped doing music because, you know, it's pretty tough to keep it forever. And 16 years later, we're putting out another record. So that's not something I am going to do lightly. You know, that's not some kind of a move to like, Hey, I think we could just fit in with the modern scene. You know, it's like, <laughs> no, no music is our fucking life. And regardless of whether that's what we do for a living, me, Nick and Eric, that's one of the things that's great about us is that there's just a magic that happens when we are together. We're such music fans. We're so, so excited about music and being fans of music so so i wouldn't have rang the rang the bell and said hey guys you want to put out a new record in 2020 you know unless it was really inspired okay mm -hmm. so so yeah so this was a very very inspired record i i just had this sort of gnawing feeling in my gut for you know because songwriting builds up i always say it's, it reminds me of like being pregnant you know even though obviously i've never been pregnant and I can't know what it's like. And so that's kind of dicky for me to say, but I just mean it's a gestation period where the songs are just building in you. And yeah. I just wanted to, to, I was like, there's so much about the time that when we started and when we got on the scene and just the friends and the, and the fans that helped us make this crazy sort of like universe that still some people are interested in, like that's really amazing and, and special. And I, I just wanted to, to literally document some of those things, you know? Yeah. No, I can't tell if maybe you froze. Oh, are you there? Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to document a lot of, a lot of what it meant to us to be in the band, you know? So this wasn't like making songs about at first, it wasn't making songs about, um, you know, what, you know, what we're going through now, it was sort of like literally about ultimate fake book, like looking back now with, adult eyes and looking and and what i wanted what i just wanted personally to sort of preserve you know and and document and so yeah so it's so just to answer your question longly but it, it's like yeah it's very special you know we wouldn't this this is this isn't just like we want to play a show you know this isn't just yeah. like hey let's go rock you know we we've, we've had times where we could do that you know or we we could you know a lot of people still keep doing things and we could be pushing it and trying harder, you know, to do more. But we we do things now when we're asked to by friends or somebody that we think is really cool, or something like this, where it's like we made a record that we are really proud of, and it's special. You know, it's a special type of record because it's about our fans and it's about us doing this and everything. So yeah, so if we're gonna have record release parties and play shows, you know, we want them to be really great and be like something that, that we're not going to, you know, take lightly. It's not just like another show, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So they're very special to us. Yeah. Very cool. That's awesome. And then the album name, the preserving machine, is that in reference mm -hmm. to the band 
and yeah. the machine that is Ultimate Fakebook, along with the fans and the people who have cared this long? Yeah. Well, basically, it also I, I was originally, you know, because it's always a process, right? And 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 I was thinking of an EP or something when I first started having these songs that were that were referencing our time starting out and just like everything. And so it was to me, it was the Manhattan, Kansas EP. Oh, right. Okay. And, and I had like, and we have a song called Manhattan, Kansas. That was one of the first I wrote. I wrote like all the main songs literally in like one sitting. I just, it just finally all poured out. Yeah. It just, I, I, it clicked in my mind how to do it and the way to approach it. And it just came out. I knew I wanted all these references to like certain friends. I wanted references to bands we listened to. I wanted references to some of the clubs we played. I wanted very specific things. So anyway, so it was the Manhattan, Kansas EP. But then Eric was hearing the, the demos, you know, I'm sending him the demos and he's like, dude, these are fucking great. You should keep writing. Like, I think, I think you're in the zone. Like, don't stop yourself. And I was like, what? I don't know. Well, I mean, I guess I do have this other one, you know? And so then I, I realized I had, another sort of like chunk of songs that were ones that a lot, a couple of them were ones that I had started literally back 20 years ago or whatever, but mm-hmm. didn't have the lyrics for. Right. Or I had some lyrics, but it didn't make sense. Like I had the lyrics to sad soldier for the chorus. And it was like, I don't want to hear the news. And I'm like, what am I singing about? You know, like I, I, right. it, like I got that phrase in my head and it's married to me to that melody. But I was like, but I don't, I don't what's that about? I don't even know what that's about. Well, then he mentions, hey, you know, do you have any other songs? And I brought that song up out of my sort of like vault. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> totally. This is a this is uh, relevant to all the shit that's been going on ever since about 2015. And so immediately had the way into that song. So, yeah. So then I wrote more songs that sort of like filled it out and made it a full record. And so we didn't have a title for a long time. And Eric was like, you know, I don't think you should call it the Manhattan album you know like you're limiting yourself a little bit that might have been one idea and that's great but don't limit yourself you know like whatever so then we what what, where we got the title was we were looking for artwork and our label which is this really great label out here in LA called Sonic Ritual Todrick who runs the label was like showing us all this really rad artwork that he was really into and he's like "I, I think you guys should find something from this artist I think we could we could make it work and so there was this one piece, we we're looking through all this stuff, and there's this one piece, which is, is, is the record. If you have the album, this is the piece of artwork. We didn't touch it at all. And I was like, I don't know, for some reason, this, this thing is speaking to me. It's kind of cool. It's like a big M with like a robot, and he's holding like, you know, a lightning rod. And then the other thing is like this bottle with like a guy on it. It's just like, oh, it, for some reason, anyway. So I, then I did a little research into the artwork and I realized, cause he, he works in collages and I realized that part of the robot was the cover to a Philip. And now I can't think of it. Philip D Philip Dick. Uh, Philip, yeah. The guy that wrote was, Moby Dick. It, no, I'm um, the guy. Who no, wrote, he like, wrote something else. Phil, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Like, I can't P. think of it. P, P. K. Dick. There you go. Philip K. Dick. Yeah. Sorry. Mm. He, it's basically the, the the artwork was from a, the paperback of a book of his called The Preserving Machine. And I was like, interesting. That that's an interesting title. Well, I wonder what that book's about. And it's about, I mean, I'm I'm just paraphrasing quickly, but it's basically about a scientist who tries to preserve um, animals by turning them into music. Like it was basically this thing that had to do with music. And I was like, okay, interesting. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, well, that's what these songs are. 
they're literally me trying to preserve this time in our lives. I called it document. To me, it's more about record as a document, you know, that good or bad is just the document of the, the artist at that, that given point. And I, and I was like, yeah, I, I think that's what this is. And, and we liked it because it's um, Philip uh, K. Dick always love like sci-fi type stuff. Eric's read a ton of his books. I like a lot of those types of movies. I like sci-fi sounding titles. And so it just totally stuck. So that's, it just, it was a, the type of thing where normally we wouldn't maybe name a record like that. It sounds kind of pretentious, but it was just too perfect. You know? Yeah. It was too I think perfect. That's cool. yeah. I love the artwork yeah. too. The artwork's really cool. It gave me a similar feeling to your first record, something about that pop art element but from the fifties and sixties, but I like that sci-fi element to it as well. That's really cool. I also like that. It's like, it's like, there's like little subtle things like, like he's the robot is kind of smiling and it's like a little subtle thing. A lot of our records have had like a smile, you know, it's like a very, it's like a very subtle thing that it's like, that's kind of what our vibe is. You know, we're not, we're not really a dark band, you know, that's exactly traffic in. Yeah, it seeps into the subconscious and it, it yeah. co- coincides really well with your music, which is upbeat at times and it's rock and roll, but it has those pop sensibilities and it's very upbeat at the same time. I like that Eric was pushing you a little bit. He was, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was, and honestly, you know, we lived in different cities, um, you know, it's all just, you know, sent through files, you know, this type of stuff, you know, I demoed all this stuff and it was really, really fun. It was really fun to collaborate that way because even though I, you know, I'm originating all the songs, like meaning I'm, I'm writing them, you know, I, I wouldn't write the same if they weren't for Nick and Eric's ears, if that makes sense. And that was actually one of the, one of the keys to the whole record was me, was me. Because, you know, like I said earlier, I wouldn't have rung the bell and said, Hey, let's make a UFB record. Unless it was like, it's, it's, this is a, a record that I think we can be proud about. And the key to me even writing those things was knowing that we're writing them as an ultimate fake book songs, as opposed to say a side project or solo or who knows. Right. It was like, so even, yeah. So even though I wrote the songs, I strongly consider them as part of like the songs would not exist without them. If that's, if that makes sense. And yeah. so, yeah, so it was fun. He, he gave, notes that are just they're more usually it's more <laughs> it was usually like extend do one more thing I, i'm not getting enough here that was great do more of that you know it's usually what he would he would comment on you know okay cool i appreciate that too because it does sound very ultimate fake book that was the thing that i yeah noticed right away just from the singles that you guys released ahead of time i was like oh this rules it even sounds like it's not too it still has that sort of raw energy yeah that you get when you go to an ultimate fake book show. I could tell you guys didn't pine over making it as perfect as possible. It still has that authenticity, which is lacking in a lot of newer records, I think. But it's really cool. I love the way your voice sounds. Like your voice sounds very authentically you. Yeah, it's a great record. It's a lot of fun. And I I was going to ask you too, did you start with some of the transitions and the interludes that are the precursor to the song? Because I really like that element. There's a lot of orchestral type Mm interludes that lead into the songs and you use some different, I would imagine some different percussion instruments and there's some piano. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I can tell you exactly how I approached all of it because basically, I, I really do feel that I, I am a better songwriter to a degree. You know, you're all, you're always the best songwriter at your if you're just being pure. So regardless of your skill, you just if you're just being pure, you're the best, right? And usually, as you've done it for too long, your skill is so good that you you're cutting off the raw type shit. You know, like what you yeah. were saying. You're cutting that stuff off. And so that was the key for me is to get into the mindset of like, if you're going to write a song, Manhattan, Kansas, that isn't too serious about it and isn't too. And it's like, I just literally sat down and was like, I really want to be in Manhattan, Kansas. Right. I thought I just did it. I didn't fucking think twice, just made the chorus. Yeah. Same with the the melody is just completely informed right away. Yeah, I didn't, you know, you've got to get your, it's a, it's a, it's a head game, right? And you've got to get yourself. So anyway, but yeah, so, so, but that being said, I knew that we all love orchestral little elements and different stuff, but the, the key for me, and this is in case maybe this helps anybody else who maybe is doing home recordings. I did set rules for myself. I was like, it's there, there's, it's not going to be that, oh, one time you hear a, I don't know, horn section and then you never hear it. You know, like, it's got to be like, okay, it's like, it all came to the studio. An orchestra came to the studio, some bells, you know, tambourine, you know, like I set like rules and that actually helped, you know, to like, yeah. when you, cause when you're laying, you, when you get the sky's the limit and you're making your home recordings and you can add any instrument, of course, all these are all fake instruments, but you know, you can pepper color your stuff with whatever, you know, the yeah. tendency can be just like, where do I go? And I just, I, yeah. I was like, Nope, this is our pop record. Like we always do, but every every instrument meaning nick eric and me i i even told them when because i had to kind of warn them before they heard the demo i was like i i envision this as it's lead everything it's lead drums it's lead bass it's lead guitar like i i told eric i was like if you hear our new record and it doesn't make you want to air drum along then we have failed like i'm <laughs> not yeah i'm not trying to make some kind of like new little statement or we're making no this is it's got to make you want to rock the fuck out, but we also love all these extra pop things. So I had to limit what would come to the table, you know. And yeah. there, there's like one, there's one song, "Hey Gemini," that does have some fake horn sections, and it's the only one that has fake horn sections. But there's a reason; they are a reference to a band that we grew up well, but not grew up, but we played a lot with in Manhattan, Kansas, called Ruska Bank, mm-hmm. and they were a ska band with all yeah. these horn sections. And normally we probably never would listen to ska, but we love these guys like brothers because we just played together and got to know each other. So I'm like, you know what? And this song is about a friend of ours from Manhattan, Jim and I, and all those guys all kind of know each other. And I was like, this is, this is in my mind, them playing with us. So I had to, I, I thought of, I thought every, I thought everything out specifically is I guess what I'm trying to say. It wasn't just like to throw it in there, you know? Yeah. And, and like, Exactly. And like the very first thing you hear on the record is this interlude, this, this uh, intro called Havea. Mm-hmm. And that came about because I had the track, we're sharing the same dream tonight. And I won't go into the entire story about what that song's all about, but basically it's, it's, it's about a, this time we all had together during a 12 hour wedding in Spain. And it was amazing. And, and our really great friends were married and actually Jojo is one of the guys, people married he's going to be in the band with us we can talk about that here in a little bit but anyway it was a special song and so then anyway eric started saying i think that's the first track i think he's like every time i hear it i smile it's not 
making too many crazy statements. So it's a nice way in and blah, blah. And I go, Oh, really? Cause I hadn't thought of it that way. I was like, okay, well then I got to go write some weird intro. I got to go make. And so I just literally sat down. I took the melody there in the same dream tonight. And I turned that into the piano plays that. So that's the very first thing you hear. And it's sort of this dreamlike setting and named it the town that the wedding was in. And so, yeah, that's where that came up. So little that's things cool. like that, because that, that that's another thing just to answer. It's like, I, I didn't want, a, I, I wanted this to be every single thing on this record was important, intentional, like you said, and there for a reason and really special. Like, I didn't want to just be like, oh, well, there's another song. Oh, there's, I wanted each song to basically be its own universe that could fucking rock. And I think it's funny. It's like, that's what we used to do without thinking about it. You yeah. know, like in our, we would make like songs like Downstairs Arena Rock. And you're like, oh, that's kind of a, on our very first record, that's kind of a, you know, we were creating, or all the new poisons, like we were creating a universe um, without realizing it. And so I right. knew that if we were going to jump back in, that's what you got to do. You got to turn off your adult brain and just like, be like, no, our band and every song matters. And it's the biggest thing ever, you know, Yeah, or whatever. I love so that, that. That's, that's where all that shit came from. Yeah. That's really cool. There's so much I want to dive into there. It's just making me think about the album in a different light. I like the fact that you are talking about how you, in hindsight, you're leaning into what made it ultimate fake book great. And sometimes we don't mm -hmm. realize that in the moment when we're kids, we don't really, we're kind of just going for broke. We're throwing a lot of different influences, things that we love. Yep. You know, I'm sure you guys were rocking out to Cheap Trick and the Rolling Stones and Elvis Costello and all of the grunge bands of the early 90s and the late 80s and things like that. And you just wanted to emulate that, but you were doing a lot of different influences and pulling from a lot of different influences. And it's almost right. like in hindsight, you look back and you're thinking, okay, this is what Ultimate Fake Book was. This is what we yeah. were leaning into, whether we realized it or not. I recognize it in myself now in writing songs as a 38-year-old it's a little different than when I was 18, but I'm just yeah. trying to lean into what my strengths were and what made whatever spark there was initially just lean into right. that, whatever made the band unique in some capacity, you know, cause every band's a yeah. Bit unique. Yeah, totally. It's like, there's a flavor that you, that, uh, you know, let's say a band, you know, somehow clicked and it made this flavor. And then later you're like, well, how do we recreate that flavor when you're older and you have better taste, you know, <laughs> like now you're <laughs> yeah. listening to way better stuff and you're, you're whatever. And so I, yeah. And I, I would joke to Eric cause he, he, you know, he's like, Oh, it sounds old school. And I was like, that's the thing. I, I had to get my mind. I had to find I, this is the way I put it to him. It doesn't necessarily mean this is what it is, but it's the way I put it to him. I was like, I had to find my inner dumbass. What I meant by that is you don't, as an older guy, you wouldn't necessarily sit down and play Manhattan, Kansas like that. You'd want to like make something more serious or more. And I was like, no, man, I'm just, fuck, I want to, you know, tap into, you know, what I, what I knew we did best and be okay with that. You know, like falsetto lines are coming out there. The melodies, the guitar will do the exact same thing as the vocal did, you know, like not reinventing the wheel just making like the most extreme version of what we do do already, you know, and, and, it, and it maybe doesn't sound exactly the same, but that was, but, but that was the intention. And I had so much fun doing that too. That, that was the other thing you would think yeah. that that would feel like a stepping back. 
that I think that's what held us held had me blocked, you know, from maybe ever doing this in that 16 period thing or uh, a year span. You would think that is a step back to just like lean into what you did best, but it actually was inspiring to lean into what we did best. It opened up ideas and floodgates that I wouldn't normally have had, which that, right. that was what was interesting to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it allowed you to have those pure moments where it's just like pure inspiration. Yeah. I'm inspired to do this and lean exactly. into what made us great. Yeah. That's really cool. And whether, whether, whether it's good or not, like after hours at Emmeline's, which a lot of people say that's maybe the best song on the record, or at least that was the one that everyone responded to when they were hearing the demos. That was the last, I thought that was the least good song. That was, <laughs> I, I thought it was a joke. I was just showing that to those guys to make them laugh and be like, I don't know, I wrote this funny song. haha. <laughs> but that's the mentality I had back in the day with all of our best songs were something that I just sat on the couch and I was like, yeah, I don't know, it's got this stupid riff. So just yeah. trying to say for people to not think too hard. It's more about getting your head in the right game. Then the song, you'll write the song in fucking five minutes. It writes yeah. itself. It exactly. writes itself. Find out what find out what the intention is. What are you what's your intention? I love to that. Fucking, if you want to be fierce, I just want I just think it's gonna be something fierce or it's just gotta be this feel. Then just sit down. You you got the skill to do it. You'll yeah. you'll come up with that. And you'll yes. look back and be like, man, that's a pretty badass riff. That's pretty sweet, you know. Absolutely, man. You got to get out of your own way sometimes. And I, you mentioned constraints earlier, parameters. Sometimes there's freedom in those parameters and those constraints because you're right. With so many bells and whistles available on any digital audio workspace program that we're using, it can be very daunting and you get into that paralysis by analysis situation. Yeah. But I like how you, you had some tiny parameters to work within and stay there. But yeah, I, I've heard Paul McCartney talk about right before he wrote Helter Skelter, I think he said the who, or they said in an interview in Rolling Stone or something that they wrote their heaviest song. And so he, <laughs> he said, I want to write the Beatles heaviest song. And then he wrote Helter Skelter and it happened yep. very organically, very quickly, but that was the intention that he had. He just knew he wanted to write a heavy song and, exactly. and you get a classic like Helter Skelter, which is rad. Exactly. One of the craziest for me anyway, stories of the, the songs that I wrote in this record was um, there's a song called my music industry. And it's sort of punky. It's basically like maybe the closest thing to like a punk song. And it's so funny to me whenever I think about it. So I had been recording and demoing like every weekend. My family was out of town. So I would do it like in the evenings and, you know, weekends. And so I've got all my gears fucking strung across this room everywhere. I'm just like, anyway, I've been recording so much that I would go to sleep. And like the recording is still playing in my head. Like music was basically never stopping in my head, you know, right? And so I woke up this one Sunday for no reason at like six in the morning, even though I'd been up to like two, I just woke up at six in the morning. I just had this, just a vibe. I had nothing but a vibe in my head. I was like, I just feel like, and I just, I still in my underwear, walk into the other room. I am not kidding. I had that song completely recorded and done within like an hour and a half max. All the stuff came out of nowhere. And it was just because I had an idea of a feeling and it was like, and I'm, and I'm like, look at all my shit. I was like referencing like um, spring breakers because I had like (laughs) recording gear and I was just like, that's what ultimate fake book is tapping into the fun and the absurdity of what this is. We're doing like broken needle. It's absurd to have a band with your teenage, your high school friends. And you're like, we're going to take on the world and we're, we're fucking cool. Fuck you. I'm practicing after school. I don't give a shit. I'm going to be a rock star. 
You know, I was like, I'm an adult man looking at USB fucking drives and <laughs> my pro to my, my logic recording, which I have barely know how to do. And it's all in the red. Yeah. Who gives a shit? I'm just, this is rock and roll. And yeah. And also how lame is it that that's what rock has come to in a way like that's, I love like the double meaning. So like, almost everything I do, there's like a little bit of a double meaning and it's like, it's like, I made a motherfucking MP3. It's like, <laughs> hell yeah. It's, it's like a, right. But at the same time, it's like, I made an MP3, <laughs> you know, like it used to be, you went into a studio. It used to be you, there was a, there was a romance to all of this. And so you got to find the romance. And for me, it was making fun of home recording. <laughs> I was yeah. like my music industry, my music industry, fuck you, you know? So anyway, making but that, that just came at, yeah, that came out of nowhere, you know. Yeah, just literally came out of nowhere. So I, I, that's that's what I think. People, that, especially that are have done it and then are maybe keeping doing it, or you know, like you're older, you gotta you gotta find a way to to get back into that fun. Yeah, you know, crazy mindset. You know, some people call it the flow state, the inspiration state, and yeah, you mentioned the gestation period earlier. Did you have some loose ideas that had? transpired a source of inspiration would happen within that 16 year time frame, And how did yeah. you capture that when you had it? Was it something that you felt because when you've got diverging interests and you're doing other things, it's not like you're sitting down and making it a priority to record a new song idea, right? Like when you're in a band it, yeah. or if you're writing specifically for something, it makes sense to, you want to capture that just so you don't lose it. Right. So it, it's like voice memos are great for that now, but during yeah. that time period, would you have a moment where I've got this melody stuck in my head? I don't know what it is or what it could be for, but I just don't want to forget it. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I, I had, you know, lots of, lots of song ideas and things like that throughout that whole time when UFB stopped till today. Right. Like, um, yeah. but, and, you know, and I did like a couple of EPs with um, this band. We, we started a band called the pride of your EPA, me and Tony Thaxton from motion city soundtrack. Yeah. Um, Pat from Limbeck and uh, some different uh, bass player guys. And, and, you know, so I, I've been doing, doing music and I think it was after the second Erie PA record, that was really kind of like a, it, it was interesting how that went down for me because I love, you know, I had so much fun writing those songs. And I felt again, felt in the zone, but then I would look back at the songs and I was like, wait a second. I can't even now as a listener, I can't even, tell what I was singing about. Like, it's a little bit too, too hidden in metaphors or whatever. Right. It, so it's not, it's not hitting me. And so that was kind of like a really eye-opening experience. And so then I started just this feeling, like I said, the song impregnation or whatever, you know, starts <laughs> of, uh, and, it, and it was these ideas of like really specific references because I was getting older and stuff. And I was, and I was like, that's a time that was a time, you know, that was very important to us. And I don't want to lose, you know, nope, you can't come in. Sorry. That's my kid. Um, <laughs> no worries. I don't want to lose, you know, like for instance, we were kind of pre-internet, you yeah. know? So not all this stuff is always going to be documented and whatever. And I was like, I, I don't know. I just, I really, and, and you know, and you, you part of writing songs is you want, people to know yourself, you know who you are or whatever. You're like, that's a goal, right? You're, or that's mm -hmm. like a subconscious goal. And I was just like, yeah, we have, we have more to our story that people don't, not, not everybody knows slash. I just 
feel inspired to make that be the story just us <laughs> like yeah. it's not just now about like oh a thing that happened in my life now it's about us that happened in my life mm-hmm. you know um from a from a perspective now as of an old old fucker you know <laughs> yeah you're so, still young yeah, man so, so those, <laughs> just halfway there so those i yeah totally. those those ideas started early you know what i'm saying they started early and then and then it was just like it was just all of a sudden I was like, okay, I think maybe these are UFB songs. And I didn't tell them yet. Cause I, I knew I wouldn't tell them until I had a couple of songs that I was like, okay, I don't know guys. I, I think I have something here. And so I, I, I was like, I think maybe these are UFB songs. So then I was like, when I sat down to write as UFB songs flew, it was yeah. like butter. Yeah. And so it was, it had been in mindset and it was like, and I, that's when I realized that, that their their influence and my friend's influence and like me thinking it was a bigger component to the actual to, to what I wanted to do musically than I had realized like I don't necessarily have uh, you know like I like writing songs you know and stuff but if it's me it's, it's I, this is the way I always put it if I'm the fucking guy singing the lyrics I have to feel it like really strongly otherwise it's difficult you know it's it sure. feels cheesy so yeah, maybe I could write songs for somebody else or something, but if I'm going to be the one singing them, I, it had to be like really important. And I finally realized that that's what was, that was where my inspiration was, was right. It was the concept that I had to make something that they might think was cool, you know, mm-hmm. that they might be down with as, as joint, as adding into our discography. Cause we always yeah. felt really strong, you know, whether or not it, it's true for everybody, but, or I mean, whether or not anyone agrees with it we always felt strongly that we were trying our hardest to make sure our discography was solid. Like there was, wasn't bad songs, you know, there wasn't no filler unnecessary. Yeah. We tried, we tried to do that. So, so that was why I, I felt that way going into this one. So, so hardcore. Yeah. And after all that time, but yeah, the songs, the ideas were starting way earlier, you know? Very cool. Yeah. yeah. That's thread. Yeah. And I think you guys have always been intentional with your songs and your songs are really good and your albums are really good and consistent across the board. There, I've never felt like ultimate fake book was the band that would put out four filler tracks at the end or something just to fulfill a uh, full length or something. Yeah. But okay. I think it's cool how you mentioned you're telling your story, which in a, way, a lot of ways, that's what a band is doing, right? They're just telling either their individual story or the band's story, or it's a time capsule and that place in time. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. I'm sure there's probably looking in hindsight, looking at your band after everything you guys went through, because you guys went through a lot as a band being a really yeah, a pretty uh, short amount of time too. Yeah. yeah. A very condensed period of time, because I think as soon as I discovered you guys, when I was about 15 or 16, you guys were only around for maybe a few more years after that 2003, mm-hmm. I think you guys, you called it initially and you yeah it's 2004 yeah 2004 okay yeah and you yeah. you had yeah you can't believe everything you read on the internet but you, you know what i actually i could be wrong <laughs> i was trying to think when when we act i i thought it was 2004 because that's when i moved to la but yeah you might be right <laughs> yeah okay so you moved to la that far back ago that's pretty like, cool yeah mm-hmm. yeah okay yeah and i mean you guys were on an independent label and then you moved to a major label which i'm sure mm-hmm. was a very confusing and chaotic time and then you went to initial records so i'm sure there's a lot mm-hmm. of stories within that compact time period I've always been curious, what was the story with Epic? This Will Be Laughing mm-hmm. Week came out on an independent record label. And then did Epic buy the rights to 
re-release it or how did that work? Cause I remember yeah, I had a promotional they, cassette with soaked in cinnamon on it. I think that was one of the first yeah. things I had from you guys. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. No. How, so how it happened was we, we were, we, we would make a record our first, you know, first record and the second record. we would make it and then see what we could do with it. And so the first record we made and, and we got the attention of this, these guys in Lawrence, Kansas, noise Sim records who one of the owners was a DJ at the record, the hard rock radio station, right? So from the beginning, we were the type of band that we knew we wanted to make music that was on the radio and like on MTV, you know? Like, it's mm-hmm. funny, that almost in a way sounds weird, <laughs> even to me these days. That sounds so far-fetched or, or I don't know, just it's just so foreign. But we, even though we liked lots of different indie bands and, you know, all sorts of music, but we just felt like we were, we, we were destined for radio. You know, <laughs> we just, that was just, that's just what we wanted. You guys kind of were, radio. I mean, you, you guys yeah. are a very palatable so band. We, yeah. Like we wanted to have, have interesting nuances, but at the end of the day, be something that you might hear on a jukebox, you know? Yeah. And so anyway, so that's why we hooked up with Noisome because they, they had the radio connections and stuff like that. And they were great. They were awesome dudes and they really helped us. And so anyway, so they, when we recorded this we laughing week, even though we were on Noisome, you know, we were like, hopefully this will be a record that will be the next step, you know, and they would help us get to that next step. Like they knew our plan and everything. And so that's what ended up happening. So by that, it come out, comes out, we start playing more shows. And pretty soon we have a manager, you know, out in New York City, who actually was from Lawrence, Kansas. You know, he worked at cool. Matador, uh, Chris Gillespie. And he was like, this is fucking great. And I'm going to send it or shop it around. And he got, he got, um, right away like epic records you know was interested epic 550 which is epic but just this imprint that had celine dion mandy moore but mm-hmm. also ben folds five and that's oh, right. where that's where we were like okay so it's a huge label with you know pop and radio and its focus but look at ben folds five they're songwriters they're indie minded you know yeah so that that we were like this is kind of perfect you know and we had by that point we had opportunities to do maybe some other you know indie action with some bigger indies and stuff but we always knew that our goal was a major label so they literally took the recording of this will be be laughing week the exact recording had us they the guy would like a couple he was like your first record's fucking awesome too so let's pick two songs off of that and re-record them and slap it on there so we added two more songs and then they remastered the whole thing. But that's the exact recording we did for Noisome. And wow. so they, they, it was a two record deal with Epic, which was pretty common. I mean, it would be pretty weird for them, for a band starting out like us to get more than two records. So that was, that was you know, all you needed was a two record deal. And the idea was, okay, we're going to start by just putting this laughing week out because we think there's actually really great songs on this. Like this is, there's some hits. And we, and that's the thing. We knew that there were hits. We'd been playing these songs every night. And you, you know, it doesn't just, it's not, it's one of those things you just, you see it, you know? Yeah. It's not about when you wrote it and I'm like, hey, this is a hit. No, you, you see it. You're like, we played Soaked in Cinnamon and people were like responding and loving it. We played Tell Me What You Want. People were responding and loving it. You oh, know, yeah. people were, were really like, you know, in, in like, weird places in Kansas and shit, people were loving these songs. So we, we kept, we were like, I think these are fucking hits, man. You know, I'm saying that in a fun way, but no, um, they were. And so anyway, <laughs> so yeah. So, so they were saying that too. And we're like, okay, cool. 
so that's why they didn't say let's go write a new record they're like this this is good as is and we liked that they said that like it to us that was a that was a positive that they said this is good as it is you know mm-hmm. what i'm getting at like because yeah. we wanted to feel like we kept the indie flavor as much as we could and you know what i'm getting at so yeah. to, it was so we a good don't sign, look at it i'm sure yeah we we don't look at it as oh they only licensed this record that's not how we view it we planned that to be hopefully be a major label album just like that because that because that was the type of thing that would happen every now and then you know sure. you'd, you'd have that happen so anyway so yeah so they it comes out and you know just it doesn't i can tell you anything you want to know about you know on epic but long story short it doesn't do great blah 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 and then we don't end up doing that second that second record that was in the contract so they just pay they just basically buy you out for that oh, okay Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so that's why there was only one on Epic. I think you it was a missed mean? opportunity, you know, and you never quite know in hindsight, looking back it's a product of timing. And I know they were signing yeah. a lot of pop alternative acts at that time and throwing stuff against the wall. But I remember hearing Soaked in Cinnamon and thinking this is, should be all over the radio like that, that <laughs> coincided with a lot of the stuff that I was listening to at the same time. It sounded great. Ed Rose did a phenomenal job recording. Yeah. Guys. I mean, it sounded very, very it did have those rock edges, but for the time, it sounded amazing. Sonically, it sounded really good. And yeah, it, it's, that it was probably, I don't know, maybe a little jarring, but I've heard Eric in several interviews say that it didn't really kill your momentum. You guys put out another record two years later, you signed with Initial, yeah. and yeah. you guys had another record written. Did you guys have a lot of those songs written after? Yeah, yeah. So, so Open Up and Say Awesome, which is the next album. Yeah, like we 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 were constantly writing, and because that, that's that's what ended up happening. That's the, that's the only downside of having a you know, the new label license something that you'd already had out. Is that meant we toured for I don't know two to three years, maybe even more on the same material. So we were so itching to make new material, so we're constantly writing, and you know, so that's that's what open up and say awesome was. We had so many songs, and we were like, let's pick the ones. At the time, this is the thing. Let's pick these, you know, and this is going to be the next record. And it's funny because then uh, years later, we put out this thing called um, Daydream Radio is Smiling Static. And that's got like 10 songs that were also written at that same time. You know, like those wow. could have been the follow up to Laughing Week. There's no difference as far as when they were written or even demoed. And you're actually hearing some of the exact same demo. So we, yeah, we just happen to we just happened to pick, you know open up and say awesome type songs. And at that time we were like, we wanted it to be like rock. We were like, we want a rock record, you know? Yeah. So we picked a certain flavor, but yet we could have easily gone with X, Y, or Z and it would have been more pop. You know, it's that kind of a deal. But, you know, when I look back personally, it it contrasts those, that period of, of songwriting contrasts to what I was describing earlier, which where I'd had time for songs to really build up and like real intention of what I wanted to do. That was just us keeping going. Hey, are there more songs? Oh, I got this one. Oh, is there more? Oh, this one. Oh, about this idea. Yeah. What about this? Do you know what I mean? It was a little different. Sure. So it was, like you said, it was such a condensed time period, you yeah. know, for us. It's different good when you're and in a band, band too. Yeah. Good and bad. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's a little different when you're in a band and you're thinking, okay, I need to write some songs. So you're manufacturing mm-hmm. the inspiration a little bit versus right. having a little bit of time to, to cultivate these songs and let them sit to for make, a little bit. Yeah. To make songs that you feel like you would, 
I mean, this is being dramatic, but you know what I mean when I say this, that you would die if the song doesn't get out. That's yeah. how, that's how the new, that's what the new record was, was all stuff that, no, I don't want to die. <laughs> without Having not released these. Set. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I'm not, oh, I'm yeah. not exact. I'm not exaggerating that that's because, you know, when you get older, that's the kind of shit you, you think about. Um, yeah. It's like, whereas, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Whereas, yeah, the other stuff, it wasn't like, I'm going to, I I don't want to die without having this track. It's like, it wasn't like that. It was like, <laughs> do we have any more shit to throw here? We, have yeah. some, we need some coal to throw into the, into the engine <laughs> to keep this train going. That is what's nice about a lot of bands who are putting out music today, where it does feel like it's coming from a pure place. Cause there's so many bands who have reunited, I think in the last 10 years or so that they don't necessarily right. have to, they, they have a legacy and there are albums that carry that legacy forward, but it's still cool to have inspired moments from all these different artists and things. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. It's great for, for the listeners, for fans so that, you know, yeah. there's so many, so many bands that you, you might've listened to like a long time ago are still kind of kicking around and doing some stuff and yeah, yeah. having similar vibe uh similar stories is what i'm giving you yeah for sure yeah and you mentioned tony faxton he was actually here last night uh motion City. oh Play. yeah and lawrence oh uh, yeah 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 i saw i saw they were, they were there yeah it's fucking yeah awesome. long delayed unfortunately they've been wanting to play that show for two years now but yeah it looks like it was a lot of fun so you yeah we love we, we love those we love those guys and we always love I, I i think like in a way we feel spiritually like they're older brothers you know like because nice. they open we opened for us i think we actually took them on their very first tour justin always reminds me of that so we love that it's like the student has become the master you know <laughs> like and so we 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 always kind of like laugh about the fact and they'll send us flyers or we'll send them flyers where it's like it's like ultimate fake book was the headliner and then like you know motion city and all these other bands that were like so much bigger than us were like earlier on the thing so we, they're always we're always joking like i learned it from watching you you know like <laughs> pretty cool though because like i remember the first time i heard motion city i really thought they sounded like ultimate fake book like, i could hear <laughs> the influence especially the falsetto yeah. and the melodies and things like that i could tell justin was a fan and then you guys were yeah, probably i think we all in terms we of all kind of with ed right yeah i do know that we we were responsible for for um getting them hooked up with ed yes cool yes very, yeah. very cool. Yeah. And you helped him with his solo records, right? Justin? Uh, yeah. I re- yeah. He asked me to, he asked me to come in and he, cause he, the way he did his um, solo EPs or this one, well, no, a couple of them was he wanted each city where he, he'd go to that city and record it and have friends from different bands be his, you know, instead of him playing everything, he'd like create a band for that cool. record. And so I was part of the LA band and it was so great, you know? So great yeah. to get his songs and then be able to like, like legit. Cause you know, I mean, listen to me. I talk a mile a minute. I'm obviously excited. You know, you can't ask me, Hey, do you want to, you know, do some music shit and not get a big, you know, response or Reaction. whatever. I love and it, he was, yeah. And he was totally cool with like, I was like, I'm, I'm just giving you all my ideas. You can take whatever you want. I'm just, this is my thoughts. Right. And it was so great that um, we got to collaborate essentially, you know, he, he had the songs all written, but not he, the way he did it was he didn't finish the arrangements, which that's kind of common. I, I kind of do that sometimes too, right? And so we all, then the other rest of us, me and Tony and um, Brian Diaz, who played bass, um, got to just kind of like 
come up with things and all a lot of my ideas are still right there in the record and it was fun because i was just a guitar player you know so i'm playing little like licks and things and it was great he he did all the lead he did all the leads he is such a fucking good lead guitar player god damn he is good that's i'm sloppy cool. as fuck i'm I'm not, <laughs> I'm not that much i'm not that much of a lead player he is really good yeah yeah that's cool yeah because I, I feel like he's uh a lot of his parts in motion city are kind of understated so it's cool to hear that yeah he, he's uh he can rip and stuff and oh Brett man Gerwitz from mm-hmm. bad religion yep. that's pretty cool i'm sure that was cool to hang oh. out with him write some music super 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 cool guy that was that that made it that added to why the experience was so amazing it was really cool to have somebody as experienced as him and and just it's fun to be around and funny and and i i joked at one point and kind of the main he he, a lot of things about being produced by him but the one thing that i'll always remember is there was this one song and i was like i you know i'm holding back some ideas i don't want to like you know be saying too much and i was like I don't know. I really think there should be a pick slide, you know, as dumb as that, that is, should be a pick slide right there. It's just so perfect. It just really feels like a pick slide. And you, and he, and bro's like, yeah, all right, cool. Go get, grab a guitar. And so I, he's in there doing like three takes of a pick slide. And then later I was just like, I just recorded a pick slide produced by Brett girls. Yeah. Like, that's kind of one of those perfect moments. Hell yeah. Dude. Something, yeah. something as simple and as punk rock, as that so there you it's go super special yeah and i'm just thinking yeah. of like all the times he's done that and all the bad religion tunes it's just like all, almost yeah. a bad religion like signature yeah totally cool totally so you guys have a couple shows coming up i'm gonna be at the record bar mm-hmm. on friday i'm very much so looking forward to it as are a lot of my friends so thank you for doing it cool and cool. that is very exciting and you guys are playing with frog pond which is still yeah just super rad and kind of mind-blowing very cool totally yeah we we uh, played with them uh, a lot back in the day. They were one of the first bands that we sort of bonded with once we got on the scene because they were they were pretty big from KC and stuff. And, you know, they didn't really play Manhattan, I don't think, maybe a little bit, but they, you know, we would go see them. And so we really, really looked up to them and sort of like wanted to be, we wanted to be Frog Pond. We wanted to be on a major label, being able to pull in, you know, hundreds of people. And so we really respected them and got along with them and bonded with them. And so then it got to a point where we had kind of built ourselves up a little bit and they then played with us on our record release party, you know, it, back in the day, I'm talking yeah. like 20 years ago, I think we played in Manhattan together at a record release party. So this is kind of full circle, even though yeah. it was never designed to be, it just, the planets aligned and it's full circle. And oh, by the way, I think, I think their new record's fucking amazing. I really Same. do. I think it's yeah. really, really good. So, yeah. And so we're playing with them. And then also this band Ashtray Babyhead, which have you ever seen them? I haven't. No. Okay. You're in for a oh. treat. Do not be late to the show. Okay. Seriously. I'll get there early. Do not, do not be late. They are amazing. They're right. one of those bands. We, we, and you know, we, we had a lot of bands we like on the road, but this was hands down our favorite band. Their, their CD, you put it in, every single song is amazing and you sing along to and you rock the fuck out. This is like a band that you put on their CD when you're getting ready to go out for the night and you just want to pump yourself up. Sing along, fun, amazing pop melodies and such just really, really great. And so they were a band back, like you know we said back then, and they'd gone through some different iterations and stuff. Well, they're now back together. But at one point, their guitar player, Jeff, 
was in Green Day. He was in their like sort of expanded live. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Band. Jeff, so Jeff for Matiska? like Matika, yeah. I don't Matika, know how, yeah, how yeah. long for like I think maybe, I mean, if not a decade or more, but like a long ass time. Yeah. So um, so he's like now a legit rock star. <laughs> That's right. So, he's also in Banner Pilot yeah. too, right? Um, maybe, maybe he's in like tons of stuff and yeah. they're all, they've all done other stuff too, you know, but anyway, so it's really special to us to have them on the bill. They're That's cool. I didn't even know that. That's really, right. really good. Yeah. Very they're fucking cool. great. They're That's fucking exciting. Great. And I mean, now I say all this and then they'll play all brand new songs that I've never heard. And they have a new sad jazzy direction, but no, I don't know. <laughs> pretty sure, I'm pretty sure yeah, they're yeah. going to play. I'm pretty sure they're going to play their, uh, their repertoire that we all know cool. and love. So yeah, so we're very stoked. And a lot of our fans, you know, they know we're such big fans of them. So, you know, that's, that's why this sort of package is so great, you know. That'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely yeah. a full circle moment for sure. Yeah, totally. I think I saw Eric at Green Day the last time I saw them play. And I think Jeff was still playing guitar for them on their, yeah. their live act. But yeah, I, I'm mm-hmm. just now thinking of that. That's... That's really cool. Yeah, I didn't even realize they were opening. That's really cool. I I will definitely yeah. get there early. That's fun. Yeah. And you yeah, know, they're amazing. Before we wrap up here, I gotta say I really appreciate you taking the time today. This is very cool. Been a fan of your band for a long totally. time. But I wanted to ask you, you've had a really interesting and cool career beyond music as well. All yeah. the guys in Ultimate yeah. Fake would have Ultimate Fake Book, but when did you get into video editing? Was that pretty quickly after you moved to LA? Is that something you wanted to do? <laughs> yeah, no, it's I mean, it's funny. Yeah, I did it right after. Basically, when I was starting to realize that I didn't want to be on the road anymore, and I was just like, I, I can't do this, you know, for whatever reason, you know, it was it was when we were on our European tour, the one and only European tour we've ever done. And so I literally was at one point researching, you know, I was like, what am I? Yeah, I, you know, I guess just my personality, I'm like, I'm going to find the next thing I'm going to do. And I was, I was researching video editing, you know, in like an internet cafe in Europe, <laughs> like while in the band, you know, like I, and found and started plotting out what I was going to do. So yeah, I think, I think it all started, I had edited just literally like on an iMovie, some music videos and just had so much fun doing it and just sort of knew that that was something I could enjoy doing you know it's different than band because you know for me i i don't have a separation between music and my like it's just sort of what i do i've always you know people ask me when did you know you want to be in a band it's like always i don't know i never <laughs> did i just knew i was going to do that i don't know <laughs> you know what i mean yeah so so, it, and so it never goes away yeah totally i grew up listening to the radio i just knew i was going to do that um so this is different. It's more about what would, what could I enjoy not hating life and, and think was fun, but you get paid and you stay in one city, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Where you can actually have friends and like, you know, a significant other that you see and, and the family hopefully, and you know what I'm getting at? So that's sure. what, that's where it started. And so, yeah. And it's, and I've basically never looked back, you know, just so moved to LA and moved very quickly. And I, I tell that to anybody that's interested in this kind of stuff is there's so much opportunity out in LA specifically. And so it, it can move very quickly, you know, getting into stuff. So, yeah. So I've been, so now I, I've been a trailer editor 
for like, you know, big studio movies for literally like 17 years at this wow. point. Very cool. Yeah. And you've so, worked for Marvel. You've worked for Disney. You've worked for Warner Brothers, DreamWorks, Cartoon Network. I'm assuming your kids think you're seriously cool, <laughs> right? I mean, well, <laughs> I mean, they, they, um, they, yeah. they realize how cool I mean, you are. Like you're a rock star. I hope they're, they they're just starting cool to, they're just starting to, they were asked, they asked to listen to UFB today. Um, oh, cause they, cause they heard me practicing. And so nice. like, oh, I want to listen to UFB. So, cause I, I don't shove it down their throat, you know, it's more of like a, <laughs> it's more of like a subtle, a subtle, you know, nod every now and then. No, oh, I mean, they definitely, I think they think it's cool, but I don't think they, they don't necessarily think it's cool in the sense of, Oh wait, you know, not everybody does whatever that, or, you know, I, you know what I'm yeah. getting at? Like they don't, they're just like, Oh, okay, cool. Like I'll yeah. be like, I'll be like, Hey, do you want to see um, my Thor TV spot that just came out on TV? Oh, okay, cool. Oh wow! You know like, <laughs> they they love they love Avengers, and so they're like cool. But yeah, it'll be interesting to talk to them when they're older and see if they if they're like, oh, I just thought that was normal, or if they, you know, yeah. But anyway, but it's, but it's great with like having boys, you know, little boys, because yeah. this is all shit that they're into. So to, sure. if you look at it that way, yeah, that's what's cool about it. That's what's cool yeah. about it. My question was kind of tongue in cheek. There's two little ones here. My fiance, she has mm. two kids and I think they humor me a lot. I don't think they necessarily <laughs> think I'm cool, but uh, it's, it's like when you're part of it, you don't, you can't objectively look at it, but you're right. I think when they're a little bit older, they're probably going to look back and think, man, our dad did some cool shit. That's really cool. But yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I saw that you had just worked on a trailer for Thor. I have yet to see it, but you went to the premiere as well, right? No, not not that one. Or you went um, to a premiere. You went to an event where you guys well, watched the movie and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. No, what you're. I think what you saw was a trailer company that I work at. We the movie that was um, the release date Thor, okay. Thor Day, right? And so they had yeah. a party to celebrate, and it was great because they had the goat. Which if, so if you've seen the new Thor movie, you'll you'll see yeah. the reference there. But no, that the company other other editors did the trailer. And I kind of came late into the game on, on that one, but I did do um, a couple of TV spots. Oh, okay. So, cool. um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you worked on some stuff for Solar Opposites, which is something that I've been watching and laughing my ass off at lately. So <laughs> kudos to yeah, you. I did, cool. I did I did the season two um, trailer for that. And it was funny because most of the animated stuff I do is like Pixar, you know, or Disney. And so it was yeah. kind of funny to be like, the clients are like, no, we want the cussing. You know? No, we want all the bad stuff. You know, the stuff that normally you can't put it in. It was like sure. all bad stuff that like my kids couldn't watch kind of thing. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Trailers specifically, it's cool because you're like the hype man for the movie. I mean, you're selling the movie, you're selling the product. So that's gotta yeah. be kind of fun. It's really fun. I mean, it's, it's a very fascinating process. You know, it really is. I, I don't think I would be able to have been doing it for this long you know i mean i've been doing this you know trailer editing type stuff longer than i did music professionally you know at this point and i, I think right there that shows you it's like i couldn't do that unless it was really fascinating it really is it changes constantly you know like with what you know like for just to give what i mean by changes kind of like now something comes out there's comments immediately you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, everyone's so you so you're having to basically be ahead of the game of what they're gonna say or what are they gonna, you know? So it's it's sure. constantly changing and it's 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 a you know, like you say, I don't necessarily say think of it as like the hyped man so much as like, you know, you could 
use your what you think is cool to find what's cool about the movie and then use that to like hopefully inspire you know and that may not be you know what the even the, the filmmakers saw you know yeah so it, it's sort of product it's marketing obviously but it is there is still hope thank god part of it is still like actual inspiration you know like yeah you watch a movie and you're like no this is what i think i think it's this you know yeah kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. You, you capture the essence of it to try to get people enticed to want to go see it. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I, this is something I was not expecting to bring up, but I've been seeing it so much. It's been an interesting marketing campaign for Jordan Peele's new movie. I don't know if you've mm. seen a lot of this stuff for Nope. The company I work at did the trailer. Really? Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah I, I think it's cool how they've done it because it seems like they're really integrating a lot of their marketing campaigns into social media, but not in an annoying way, but kind of an interesting way. I mean, it looks like there's even spots that they did specifically for specific social networks. And right. I don't know, I just, I think that's kind of from a marketing standpoint, because I'm always reading about marketing. I, I do something, I'm a personal trainer. I'm really into music and I love mm. this, doing this podcast, but I'm marketing myself usually in a, in a different light, exercise and nutrition but it's from a marketing standpoint, I've just thought that was really interesting how they're integrating their marketing campaign into so many different funnels and things, but I guess it's what yeah, you yeah. do these days. I mean, it's just a lot of eyeballs in a lot of places. So absolutely. Yeah, no, that's, that's kind of what I mean by it. It's like, it's constantly changing. It's constantly, it's, it's fascinating, you know, the yeah. whole, the whole process and you can, you can do something, you know, on a Monday and it's in the world on Wednesday or Thursday you know, getting millions of comments, <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause some sure. stuff happens last minute, you know, some stuff yeah. happens last minute, you know, I'll bet. Yeah. I'm sure it keeps you on your toes. Totally. And like something will happen in, in, in the world, you know, yeah. like a, a major catastrophe or something. All is okay. Now you got to shuffle. Well, now we don't want to show this type of thing. Let's change it a little bit. You know what I mean? I'm so sure. it's reactive. It's reactive to, to that kind of stuff as well. Yeah. And then you're forced to respond. Well, cool. Yeah, no, I'm sure we could talk at length about that as well but very we'll cool have a trailer podcast <laughs> yeah dude let's do it all right man. well dude this has been a blast i again i just appreciate you taking the time today i look yeah. forward to seeing you guys rock out on friday night it's going to be amazing at the record bar in kansas yep. city not too far from here and then you're playing manhattan the following night at a festival Correct. right and that's is it yeah midfest is that what it's called midfest yeah it's yeah. the manhattan uh music festival that they're having and yeah, so we're headlining that and playing uh, the the big show uh, Saturday at the Hat, is the name of the club cool. in Manhattan, Kansas. And obviously, it's special to us. We got our start as a band there. You know, we wouldn't have the, the way I tell the story is we wouldn't have gotten down the road to Kansas City or Lawrence had we not, you know, had people supporting us in Manhattan first. You know, sure. like we embraced the underdog aspect of Manhattan, Kansas. We knew Lawrence was cooler. Everyone knew Lawrence was cooler. And Manhattan and Kansas City had like actual, you know, professional real bands and real clubs and all this stuff. And so we at that time in Manhattan, when we started and there was bands like Truck Stop Love, bands like Sufferbus, um, Ruska Bank. I mentioned like it was a it was a legit scene, all different styles of music, but, but yeah. a scene of people creating their own music, which I think that's key is I don't I know there's a music scene in Manhattan. But I don't know how many bands are creating their own, you know, own music. Right. So maybe we can hopefully remind people that we did that. And it was pretty, it, pretty awesome, you know, to, yeah. to follow that kind of a path. So anyway, so yeah, so we're very excited. Um, Friday at, Man uh, at Kansas City at the Record Bar. 
and that's mm-hmm. going to be the first time we've ever played the new record bar location. So I'm it's excited. Great. I've never even, I've never even stepped foot in there. So personally, so awesome. I'm excited just to, just to go there. Yeah. And, uh, and what's cool this time too, is we have three extra band members on stage with us. Oh, cool. And yeah. And for, you know, lots of reasons, but what ended up being so perfect is these guys are from Manhattan, Kansas, and they are the guys that we, you know, that were in, that in helped inspire a lot of these songs on a new record. It kind of just, it was never planned that we were going to do the shows with them. It just sort of ended up through all these different events of who could do what and who was going to help us and play a little electric guitar. It just all of a sudden was like, well, you guys should just be on there with us and we're going to have a six piece band. So um, cool. it's going to be in a way, sort of a new band. We're going to play like a ton of new shit. And we're really excited. That's the guys that were in um, dead girls ruin, ruin everything or the dead girls with Nick yeah. and Eric. So okay. there's uh, so it's funny. It's funny. I'll say we have this new band and then Nick Colby, our bass player. He's like, Actually, Bill, you're the new guy. <laughs> like you're the you're the only guy who hasn't played in this in this uh, lineup here. So okay, it's gonna so, so it's gonna be special for that reason as well. So Cameron, he's one of Cameron, the Cameron. Yep, Cameron's in the band. Uh, JoJo's in the band, and Aaron Swenson is gonna be playing awesome. keyboards. Okay, yeah, cool. That's a lot of fun. So That's we really cool. so we got a lot of lot of fun fun stuff figured out. Yeah. Yeah. And Cameron is a good friend of one of my friends. Her name is Whitney and she's actually somebody that I trained too. So small world. Oh, right on. Yeah. We were just awesome. talking about and Cameron the other day. Yeah. And he's in, in Colorado now, right? Yeah. Yeah. She lives in Kansas city. Yeah. Her older brother is a good friend of mine that I've had forever. His name's Blake Young. He used to work for Mammoth and he's great too. And yeah, we were just talking about Cameron the other day. Yep. Totally. So we're looking forward to seeing everybody. And it's going to be a blast. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Well, very cool. Well, Bill, this is a pleasure. Look forward to seeing you guys rock out, rock the fuck out on Friday. (laughs) And that's going to be awesome. And thanks again. I really do appreciate it. And I'm putting this out today. So I'll let you know. I'll shoot you a message. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then we'll, we'll put it out there. Very cool. Red. And then everybody should check out the Preserving Machine if they haven't already. I know a lot of my friends, they're huge UF fans and they've checked it out. Anything else? Any parting comments you would like to leave the listeners? We, yeah, in case anybody was curious, we, we're going to have a ton of uh, copies of the new record on vinyl that we have with us because they they're sometimes it's kind of hard to get a hold of those and so we ship them out here So for because it's a record release party. So we're going to have those. There's going to be a new shirt that has all three bands representing it represented awesome and you know just stuff like that like it's it's gonna you know everybody everybody involved is just really you know doing this for the love of it you know it's it's legit like a love fest of music and fun so come and get on stage at the end of the show when we um, invite everybody up (laughs) i love it dude yeah don't 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 sleep on that part some people are like get hang back and it's like are you kidding Get on stage, man. <laughs> Once in a lifetime opportunity right there. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, yeah. dude, thanks again. Thanks for taking the time. I appreciate it. Yeah. I'm sure I'll talk okay. to you later. All, All right. right, man. Take Sounds care. Good. Thank you very Stay much. Stay cool okay. out there in, in the Midwest. Yeah, it's hot. I know. It's All right, hot man. rock. Okay. That's right. All right, buddy. <laughs> Take All right, care. Talk to you later. Don't matter. I can't.
Hey, thanks so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. I hope you had a good time. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you would like to help the podcast out, if you want to do a massive solid for us here at Having a Blast, if you could just leave us a review, a five-star review would be incredible. I'd really appreciate it. Wherever you listen to podcasts, another thing you could do would be to share this podcast with a friend, anyone who enjoys this type of music or personal development in general. All right, I hope you're having a wonderful day. Hopefully you're having a blast listening to your favorite records. Take care and I'll talk to you later. So close your-